Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank you, musicians, platform workers. God bless your ministry. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Amen. It's good to be in church this morning. Can you say amen? Amen. I just want to give you a quick report from the Southern Africa conference uh, that we had. God really helped us. We were expecting to be eased, but they weren't. So uh, we were required to have only 50 people in the building. And so we only admitted to having 49 Um, but uh, we invited all of the pastors and wives, and so I think we probably had 250 people there, and there's cars all over, and it's, you know, one of those, you know, you pull up to a building, and there's cars everywhere. It's obvious something's going on, so one of the guys, uh, there's a rehab program there, and they have a, they do a car wash to uh, support themselves, and one of the guys, Arthur, said, Pastor, I know what to do. He got the guys outside. They started washing the cars. They washed cars all day long. And so it looked like just a big, very busy car wash. And so the police didn't show up, but God helped us. In the conference, we uh, launched, uh, there were eight international announcements. Two of them were churches being nationalized. The rest were brand new international works. And then seven brand new churches in South Africa itself. So God really helped us. I do appreciate your prayers there. Uh, God is helping us in Southern Africa. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6. This morning is a very special service. Of course, you're aware that we are welcoming uh, Pastor Payne back to Gallup for another great chapter here. And in light of that, I want to preach a message called Better Things Lie Ahead. First, a very deep spiritual question. Are you ready? Those of you that know me, you know there's no deep spiritual questions. How many of you like dessert? Yeah, the rest of you aren't being honest. You, you need to repent and get saved. We love dessert. And you know the thing about dessert is it can make any meal good, right? You know, I, uh, our family, I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know what the reasons were. Dessert wasn't a thing in our home. However, at grandma's house, when we went there for Thanksgiving, there was always going to be pie. And you know what? It didn't matter if the turkey was dry. It didn't matter if someone burned the gravy. There was pie coming. Amen? Because there's always something better ahead. This is a basic kingdom principle you and I have to lock in on. There are always better things ahead. The scripture we're going to read is uh, written to a congregation, and he makes this statement. He says, I am confident of good things ahead of you. I want to minister uh, very simply this morning on this subject, better things lie ahead. Hebrews 6, you can read with me beginning in verse 9. It says, but beloved... 
We are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. C.S. Lewis said, There are far, far better things ahead than any we might ever leave behind. Better things lie ahead. Let's talk first about the confidence of good. Now, One of the dilemmas of human nature is that we become jaded with life. As we age and progress, uh, we begin to dismiss the things we believed in as kids. You know, we used to believe in, uh, you know, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And now when you're parents, what do you believe in? Christmas debt and dental cavities. We used to believe in happily ever after, and then you get old enough, and we think it's a lot more ever after than happily. And we get jaded with life. And I got to say, as a pastor, anywhere I've preached the gospel, one of the, the constant things I've seen, not in a large way, but there's always this thread. If you preach just a pure good news sermon, there's always someone in the crowd going, huh, I wonder what he's up to. Right? If you, if you preach a sermon like, hey, God loves you, people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? Where's the sin and the judgment? It's almost like we resist the idea of good in the Bible. And so this is a basic human tendency in life. But scripture says something completely different. In our text, he says we are confident of good things. He says better things. That phrase means better or greater or superior things of a higher nature. And he says we are confident that better things are ahead for you. Now, if you read Hebrews chapter 6 and the context, it's interesting because the first eight verses, he's actually talking about judgment. There's discipline. There was backsliding. And he's speaking about painful things. And then he stops in the middle. He says, but it's an intentional change of subject. It's almost like he says, okay, enough of that. I want to tell you there is good news ahead. And so this is the focus of our scripture is that in light of anything that happens in life, there is a confidence of good in front of us. When he uses this word confident, if you look At this, it literally means I am persuaded. He says, I am convinced of better things. In other words, this isn't some uh, pie in the sky dream or hope. He's saying, I am convinced that there's better things ahead. And you know that my basic operating philosophy in life and in ministry is that there is always something better ahead. Amen. It's okay to say amen every once in a while. You know, we, uh, we make a mistake when all of our best chapters are in the past. 
Oh, remember that one time? Remember that one car we had? Do you remember that one outreach? Remember that one conference? That's a mistaken view of life. And I think that's an inaccurate way to look at the kingdom of God. He says, beloved, we are convinced there is better in the future. If you read the scripture, they went out of Egypt into a better place. We went from the Old Testament to a better covenant. Uh, When I hear stories about the great things of the past, Listen, I believe the way you need to process that is that you would take that as a promise of what God can do in the future. But what our scripture says is this is actually something greater even than just better days in the future. He's saying there are better days for eternity. He says uh, better things accompanying salvation. Listen, the tone of our scripture, he's saying Far beyond just uh, that you're going to have a good month or you're going to have a good year. He's saying the absolute best you could ever imagine lies in front of you. And I believe if you read this scripture, you have to come to the conclusion. This is far beyond some superficial excitement, some emotional moment. Ryan, I don't believe the writer of Hebrews is like a spiritual cheerleader. Right? I don't think, you know... You guys know how it is. Sometimes you'll have uh, someone trying to cheer you up about something you're not excited about. Right? My wife, God bless her. Somehow, like the last couple of years, she has decided that Brussels sprouts are great. Yeah, pray for her. She needs needs a miracle. So she'll say, try it this way. Look, I got this new recipe, right? Uh, my aunt Lisa, Lisa Mitchell, she gave her a new recipe, and, and they love it, both of them. They're, pray for both of them, I guess. And she's like, you got to try it this way. I'm like, they're still Brussels sprouts. You can cheerlead all you want, and it doesn't change the very basic fact of nature that nobody should be eating that stuff. Sorry, that's not in my notes. I just had to get that out. Our scripture is not being a cheerleader. It's okay, it's okay, it's going to be good. He's saying, no, no, no. He's saying, I know who God is. I know the God that we serve. And I've looked at the circumstances and I am convinced that there is something greater. If you read on to verse, uh, to chapter 9, verse 15, he's just speaking about confidence. He says, for this reason, speaking of the cross, he's the mediator of a better covenant. That's the point, is we are basing our confidence and our hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. There's people here this morning. God is preparing destiny for you. God is preparing great things for you. It might be here in the Gallup Church. It might be on the harvest field. It might be uh, internet. Who knows where it could be. But God has prepared a place of purpose and a place of blessing for you. Listen, when God prepares things, he does it with intention. Right? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. But if I go, I will doubtless come again to bring you. He doesn't prepare things without intention. Listen, the same for you, the good he's prepared for you. He has intention to bring you into it. And this church, this, this, you know, this church is like the church that shouldn't exist, right? We're in Gallup. You drive 10 minutes in any direction and people don't even know what the word Gallup is, right? It's what Gallup, the horse, what are you talking about? 
No, no, no. Gallup, you know that place where we've touched the whole world. The, 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 the impossible church, it is a candlestick church. This is a place God has laid his hand and his blessing. And listen, I am confident God has planned good things for this place. So let's talk then for a moment about the God who promises. It is critical to understand that this confidence is built on the promises of God, right? It would actually be absurd if this was the statement of a man, right? In Hebrews, just to say, I'm confident it'll be better, right? It's like your doctor when he looks at your x-rays and he goes, ooh. And then you're like, what? He's like, oh, no, you're going to be fine. Oh, shut up, doc. I'm, tell me the truth, right? It's what, when a man just says, oh, no, it's going to be good, that's actually quite meaningless. But in our scripture, it's something different. If you keep reading verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. In other words, what he's saying is I am confident of better things for you because I know God, because I know who God is and I know his character. And so here is a great life lesson base your confidence on the promises of God and you'll never go wrong if you build your life on what God has said you can take it to the bank you can trust God so this is the nature of God that we're basing our promises on so there are promises for the future in our text he is referencing actually Genesis 22 when God is speaking and he says, blessing, I will bless you, multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That is the promise that the writer of Hebrews is attaching to the church. So think about what this means. First, blessing. He says, blessing, I will bless you. In one translation, it is, I'll bless you with blessing. This is an old form of speech that really means like really big. It's like a big blessing or uh, something beyond uh, what we would imagine. It's an emphasis. So blessing. Then he says fruit. He says multiplying. I will multiply you. Listen, there is an innate or a built-in promise of fruitfulness for God's people beyond what we can imagine. Then he speaks about dominion. He says, the gate, uh, you shall possess the gate of your enemies. That speaks of the right to decide and to control things. God says, I'm going to give you dominion. Then he promises impact. He says, and in your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Listen, God has called you and I, God has called the Gallup Church to impact nations far beyond anything we can ever imagine. You know, I, I always get a kick when I think about the absurdity. You know, that we've got a, a church in Vietnam, right? You know, that's nuts, right? You get that? There's people in Vietnam, and I'm sure they're having this conversation. So where are you from? Right? And Josh, you know, he can't point real good. He's like, it's too far. Why? That doesn't even, how is that possible? 
That's what God has called you to. God has called you to touch nations. There are now indigenous works around the world, in uh, nations around the world. That is the promise of God. And I want to tell you that hasn't uh, changed. Listen, COVID didn't change our call to touch the nations. 2021 hasn't changed them. We are called to touch nations beyond. So these are promises for the future, but they're also promises based on the past. It's a fascinating premise in our scripture is that God references this church's past. This is what I love about this scripture. In verse 10, he says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you've shown toward his name and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I promise this. God is promising you and God knows what you've done. God knows where you come from. He talks about the labor of love. One translator uh, calls that laborious toil with agape love. What he's saying is you were working for hurting people, loving them like I loved them. God is saying you love people like I do. I don't think there is any other statement that better describes the Gallup church, that you love people like God loves them. That is the testimony here. And in that light, this is what he says. He says, beloved, I am confident of great things ahead of you because I know who you are. So let's talk then, finally, just for a moment about the assurance of hope. Here's the beauty of this scripture, is that it meets us right where we are. You know, he doesn't say, think about this, he doesn't say, you know what, I bet next year is going to be a good year if you can double your labor. If you can increase your output, all right, if you did twice as many outreaches, if you gave twice as much, then maybe, that's not what he says. He doesn't say if you could be more spiritual or if you could be a better Christian. He says, uh, I desire that you show the same diligence. He's saying, listen, I know where you are. And if you will just keep on, if you'll keep moving forward as I've, as I've seen you do in the past, there's a great future. This is the assurance, verse 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises so to many he's saying continue in the same diligence in other words keep doing what you've been doing continue in the same earnestness without letting up he's speaking to mature believers keep on keeping on you know how to do this keep doing it but then to others he says don't become sluggish but imitate the others in other words follow the example of someone who is diligent to younger believers if you're new here if you haven't been saved very long or you are young in the I would say find someone to imitate find someone who you can pattern your life after but then there is this assurance of hope but it is linked to completion. And you guys know that I am, sports don't fascinate me in the least. Actually, they fascinate me in how much other people are fascinated by them, right? Right, like football. All right, come on. You got a bunch of men in tights wrestling with each other. Give me the ball, give me the ball. 
right? And then when they get the ball, they throw it on the, you know, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to behave, I'll be good. Well, somehow, and I don't know, you know how it is, you start getting these recommendations, and I got these recommendations for NFL highlight reels. I don't know, it, it, probably, you know, the algorithm heard me mocking football and is like, we can't live with this. And so, yeah, you know, I, I don't get it. But then I saw one that caught my eye, and it, it is award for second best effort. I know this is a video I'm going to enjoy. And, and sure enough, it, I mean, it, it's dozens. I, I, had to, I had to cut it off. But it's dozens of clips where, you know, it's an amazing play, and he breaks the sack, and he throws, and he catches it, and the guy's running. And you know how I don't, I, I, I've learned this now. There's this thing where when people are sure they're going to make a touchdown, they slow down right at the end, right? I mean, they're cranking on. And then they're like, oh, oh. and then I saw one, the guy gets right towards the, you know, the, the line. There's the, you guys know, the point where everyone cheers, you know? And he doesn't go in. He goes, whoa, and goes sideways because he's convinced he's in the clear. And what he doesn't know is that over here at about 4 o'clock, is a 350-pound train wreck headed his direction. Smash! And his helmet goes flying. No touchdown. And over. And he's, they're running, and then they slow down. Yeah, one guy even takes his helmet off. He's not there yet. Smash! You know what? Nobody cares how fast you run if you don't score the goal unit, right? You got to make it to the end. Are you with me? This promise... And our scripture is based on completion. Not doing good now. Not doing good for a year or 10 years or 50 years. It's based on completion. In our scripture, it uses these phrases, diligence, until the end. Faith and patience inherit. These are words that imply a time frame. You know, diligence doesn't play out in a minute. And inheritance doesn't come until the end. Listen, our church has a glorious inheritance. And every person in the church has a glorious inheritance in the kingdom of God if we make it to the end. And here's the point is that we are engaged for the long haul. It's no use to do really good for a season. What matters is completing finishing the race. Yes, in the here and now, we see blessing, we see impact and the promises of the kingdom of God. But listen, I am confident of better things for you, but I urge you, complete what God has put in front of you. Amen. Let's bow our heads together for a moment. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, 
Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.